morning, Grace. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. We are in Hebrews chapter 2, reading the first four verses this morning. So we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard, or we may drift away from it. For the message God delivered through angels has always stood firm, and every violation of the law and every act of disobedience was punished. So what makes us think we can escape if we ignore this great salvation that was first announced by the Lord Jesus himself and then delivered to us by those who heard him speak? And God confirmed the message by giving signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit whenever he chose. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for bringing us all here this morning so that we may worship you. Lord, that we may fellowship in your name with our brothers and sisters. And Lord, that we may honor you. Lord, we ask that you would bless the message this morning. May it fall on ready hearts and ready minds to accept what you would have for us. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for sharing it with us. We thank you for your son who has brought us salvation. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I would like to also mention that in your bulletins, there is information there from the Gideons that if you sense the Lord leading you to donate to their ministry, it will, does not go to the speakers. It goes directly to producing the word of God. So, and also out here on my right, there is a display of the Gideons that you may use that. For instance, donating monies in the name of an individual for Bibles going out into the land. So I wanted to make sure you were aware of that. Up until 1982, or I'm sorry, 1992, food, fast food establishments were pretty much focused on meeting the public's demand for quick and easy food. But that was about to change. In 1992, a 72-year-old customer named Stella Liebeck went to a McDonald's with her grandson and ordered a meal which also included a cup of coffee. When they received their food from the drive-through, the grandson parked the car underneath a shade tree so that they could enjoy their meal together in the coolness of the day. Stella took her cup of coffee, placed it between her legs to pour some creamers into that coffee. As she was pouring the creamers, the coffee cup somehow tipped and spilt the hot coffee on her leg, thus resulting in third-degree burns. Stella took her case to court, seeking compensation for her burns she received from the hot coffee. She won the case, and the jury awarded her a sum of $2.9 million, which the judge later reduced to a little bit over $600,000. From that instance, the, every single disposable lid that covers a hot beverage is engraved with these words, caution, hot contents. 
It's amazing that over the years, manufacturers have had to do, take extra caution in making sure that their products have ample warning signs so that they will not be taken to court by unsuspected customers. For instance, a sign in a restroom reads as follows. Toilets, urinals, use reclaimed water. Do not drink. A popular sleeping pill manufacturer added this warning to their products, which states, may cause drowsiness. <laughs> A manufacturer company that produces hair dryers made sure their customers knew that do not use while sleeping. <laughs> and finally, there's a warning label on a washing machine that says, do not put any person in this machine. <laughs> we obviously chuckle at these particular warning labels, but at the same time, warning labels are for the purpose of making sure the public is informed and kept from doing something that later they may well wish they had never done. In coming to our passage this morning in Hebrews chapter 2, this is the very first warning from God. And it has one focus in the first four verses. It will be our task this morning to unravel it in order that we too would be warned, be kept from something that maybe later on we wished we never did. Notice the words, if you will, as Pastor Steve read for us this morning, this passage. The words in verse 1 says, for this reason. You may have a translation that says, therefore. The reason therefore is therefore is because it wants to draw our attention to the previous information. Therefore, seeing, it says, that we must pay attention all the more to what we have heard so that we will not drift away. When you come up to chapter 2, the word therefore draws our attention back to chapter 1. And there are three very important biblical truths in chapter 1 that have captured our attention in the previous weeks. Number one, even though God spoke in times and past in many different ways, God now speaks to us through his son in order that we would understand what his plan for our life truly is. Secondly, Jesus Christ is superior in three magnificent statements such as that deal with the realm of his position when in verse 13 it says, sit at my right hand. And as such as the realm of his person, verse 5, you are my son. And lastly, in verse 10, 
where it says, according to his power in the beginning, Lord, you established the earth. Jesus Christ is given a name. He is given a place of prominence that far exceeds any angelic being. Thirdly, in verse 14, these ministering spirits are for the purpose of serving those who are going to inherit salvation. When we come, therefore, to chapter 2, verse 1, in light of all that has already been spoken by God the Father and has already been, if you will, written down in the Word of God, we are to pay attention so that we do not drift away. One individual wrote it this way when he said, as one author stated, if you're bobbing along in the ocean and do nothing, you're going to drift. Similarly, if you're neglecting your spiritual life, you're going to drift from God and you will inevitably find trouble. So what is the warning? The warning is stated for us in verse 2 and verse 3. For if the message spoken through the angels was legally binding, and every transgression and disobedience received just punishment, how will we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? How will we escape? We need to remember that according to the passage, the teaching in verse chapter 1, that the Lord Jesus Christ is presented as the ultimate excellency as creator, sustainer, savior, and intercessor. But in view of all that he is and all that he has done for us, Jesus Christ has the right to claim our absolute devotion and obedience. It is because of what Christ has done for us by his grace that he has the right to expect unquestioning obedience to his claims, his grace. It's by his grace that we were once lost, now we're found. It is by his grace that we were once blind spiritually, but now we see. It is by his grace that we were weak, and now we've been made strong. It is by his grace that hopelessness has now been turned to hope. For this reason, we must pay attention all the more to what we have heard. Now, that is an interesting statement because in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, it literally declares, for, for faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So in that one statement, the writer of Hebrews is drawing us to two truths. And the truth is this, that what we hear that comes from the word of God develops faith in Jesus Christ. But also, the purpose is so that we don't drift away. 
We also have learned in the study of Wednesday nights in the book of the Revelation in the seven churches, each one of those particular gifts, if you will, of letters to that church ends with the same statement. He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. In other words, pay attention. That's what Hebrews writer is saying. Pay attention so that you do not drift away. But we need to put this in context. First of all, we have to understand that the book of Hebrews is written to believer people. Unfortunately, I think that this particular passage, these first four verses, have been used wrongly in trying to promote individuals to trust Jesus Christ. This is written to believers. How do we know that? Because the writer says we. We. He includes himself. And far as I know, there has not been an unregenerated individual that's written anything in the scriptures. It's always been a believer person. But the thing that is also is that the word neglect. In order to neglect something, you must first possess it. You must first have it. And so the writer is saying to these Christians, these Hebrew Christians, they've not rejected the gospel, they've just neglected it. You know yourself that those instruments called vehicles, if you neglect them, try going 100,000 miles without changing your oil. See how long you're going to go. Maybe even once in a while, vacuuming out your vehicle. I think my children. They don't need to stop to any fast food place. It's all there. Mercy. Lord have mercy. Oh. Well, that's for another complete message at another time. These individuals were saved. They were justified. They were secure by grace. But what was happening is that they were losing heart in the faith. We must do something with our salvation. And because we are saved, it must not be neglected. Conversion, dear people, is not the end of salvation. It is only the beginning We call it justified. Then you go over to sanctified. And one day, someone help me, we're going to be glorified in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're in the midst of sanctified. As Paul writes for us in Romans chapter 8. For the purpose that will be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. 
The Apostle Paul also writes for us in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12 where he says, Work out your own salvation with trembling and with fear. It doesn't say work for your salvation, for by grace we're saved, by faith, not of works as any man should boast. But he says work it out. It's an interesting word in the Greek. The Greek word literally translated is gymnasium. It's a place you go to work out things, whether basketball, whether wrestling, whether indoor track, whether indoor field hockey, whether indoor just running. It's a place where you work it out. And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying to these believer people and also to us. Why do we need to keep from drifting away, two places I want you to turn to first. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10. Why is the writer of Hebrews giving us a warning? Because in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, it says this, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to what he has done, whether it be good or bad. He's talking to believers. Salvation has nothing to do at this point. Salvation has been already determined on this earth, but when a believer stands before Christ, it's called the judgment seat of Christ. It is there that awards and rewards are given out for goodness, done in the name of Christ, but also removed from those that are not done. The reward at the judgment seat will be for those who, whose record is good. And those who have neglected their great salvation will suffer loss. So the writer of Hebrews tells us in chapter 2, verse 3, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? One more place. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Virtually the same thing, but worded differently to catch our attention. Why should we pay such attention to so great a salvation that we don't drift away? It's because of 1 Corinthians 3, 13 to 15, where it says, Every man's work will be made manifest, for the day will declare it. Because it will be revealed by fire. And fire will try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abides, which he has built thereupon, he will receive a reward. If any man's work will be burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as by fire. I think one of the greatest tragedies of glory 
is for when people realize of what they could have had instead of what they settled for, a loss. Nothing to place at the feet of Jesus Christ. They're saved as yet by fire. Yes, in glory, but nothing to give to the Savior. That's the warning of Hebrews chapter 2. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to those things which we have heard. We need to learn the lesson that conversion is only the first step and a process which will only be completed when we are perfectly, completely conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. We have previously have seen if, if such a great salvation is neglected, if the love of God does not melt our hearts, if we don't think salvation is the only thing that is necessary, important, and essential, if we do not devote to it our whole heart, our whole soul, all of our energies, if we do not strive to grasp it with our might, how? will we escape the judgment of loss of rewards? We are told, though, in the, in the next verses that this great salvation had its beginning when it was first spoken by the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, you've got to go back to John chapter 3 and, and begin reading at verse 16 and go to the end of the chapter. Where even before Jesus has gone to the cross, he's having a meeting with Nicodemus at night and he's telling him that God so loves you that he's given me so that whosoever will believe will not perish but have everlasting life. It was first established by Jesus Christ himself, this great salvation. And then it was passed on by those who heard it. First century apostles. Oh, when you go to Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4, here you've got Peter and John. And, and they take hold of a man who's been couldn't walk for 40 years, lifts them up. Silver and gold we don't have. What you physically want, we don't have. But what you spiritually need, here it is. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And then, not only that, but then God, the Father, the Almighty One ratified it by miracles for those who were speaking in the first century. Does God still do miracles today? Oh, you bet. Because every lost soul that comes to know Jesus Christ is a miracle that the angels in heaven proclaim. Hallelujah. Praise His holy name. And then it was fortified by the Holy Spirit distributing spiritual gifts 
1 Corinthians chapter 12. What a glorious thing. According to his will. Salvation literally is the ultimate revelation of God and it is an unspeakable gift of his love. May I ask you a question? Do you possess this free gift? Can you say with your whole heart, I believe it and will go with this into eternity? Can you even know that is it the treasure of your own soul upon which you stand upon this rock? Can you say, I possessed it, I'm protected by it, I'm provided through it, and it abides with me for all eternity? Let me put it to a simpler question. Have you ever trusted Christ as your Savior? That's the warning of Hebrews chapter 2. We have so great a salvation. Don't neglect it. Don't drift. Stand firm and be involved in the lives of people that need to hear what Jesus Christ has done for you. I call you one more time to the text where it says, there is a great salvation. The question is, do you believe it? May we pray. God, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into evil, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, and ever, and ever. Amen.